Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, Lady Louis TVs and comics. I'm, I give up on that. I'm going to restart this. I don't want to use that. Welcome to Justice Lose, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Pop Up! Oh, God, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I know exactly what that was. There. I know exactly what that was. And literally, I made that joke and actually restarted the timer because I was so unhappy with it. Oh, no, I'm leaving that part in. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely, I've never restarted the timer because of how unhappy with an intro I was. It's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> I was like, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yep. Now you're stuck. Damn it. Oh, uh, mistakes were made. Yep. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Or don't. I mean, ultimately, it's really just up to you what you do with your life. I can't I can't make your decisions for you. You're <laughs> grown up. This coming straight off a conversation about that. Yep. That's definitely still in your brain. A <laughs> little bit. Uh, No, specifically, let's see. Well, I've told you to check out our email a lot and... Most of the interesting stuff is done on Game of Thrones and Endgame, so uh, hit us no. up on no. Twitter. Do you know, I you saw in the group me what Amelia Clark was saying, right? No. What? I get notifications about half the time. Oh, okay. So when we do our Game of Thrones episode update, I'll tell you what happened. Okay. And it is, oof, boy. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, no, continue your Game of Thrones theories because of a reason that I will explain to Matt. I will apparently have to explain to Matt. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, tell us that. JusticeLosersPod at gmail.com. Or, I mean, you can probably also message us on Facebook. I'm not sure how that works, messaging a page. I don't think you can. I think you can only post on it. Huh. I don't know. If you can find someone, a way to message us, Yeah, someone it. test it. I want to see if it works. Yeah, Mark. Mark. Did he email us? Did he? I didn't. Oops, he had I didn't a, lap. Oops. He, he had a theory he told me about when we skyped uh last skype week skype nerds yep nope don't look, entertainment no nope. like it nah. mark email us that yeah come on mark well since okay actually here we'll do this mark email that theory mm-hmm. gauge go check go test the facebook thing all right you know pastor was it the passerby or stand uh um pedestrian effect that's the reason if right. someone's someone's hurt, you don't just yell "call nine one one." You tell someone to call nine one one because everyone else assumes that someone else will do it. Right. So, Gage, check our Facebook. Try to Facebook message something. If it doesn't work, post on our wall that it doesn't work. Yeah. Also, because we only have two listeners, so if we each give them one I, thing to do, we need to stop saying that because there's still, there are. I feel like there's several people like Nick Scientist, <laughs> who's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, recently followed us on SoundCloud. I don't know if he listens like regularly, but he definitely He'd like probably just make us feel good. Well, I mean, he also kind of bounces he, he'll he'll actually message me on facebook for dc related questions huh, stuff like okay. that so he'll he actually like he he engages uh kaylin uh kaylin i don't fuck I baker like... yeah okay i it's it's one of those names that like i've never actually had to say very often so it's mm-hmm. always been confused baker or barker pretty sure it's baker I'm like 98 okay. percent certain it's baker if it's not sorry kaylin uh she actually listens to our reviews a lot oh. um she'll listen she'll for like comic book reviews and stuff like that uh-huh. she'll go watch it and then listen to it okay after so she uh she's there uh hal i believe still listens maybe i haven't gotten an interaction from her so there's five people i know wow that that have listened or that listen there's also more people that i'm completely forgetting about right now oh, so yeah, i apologize definitely. to the like probably four or five other people that listen regularly that i'm forgetting about because we always call out and mark and gauge because they're they're the most interactive right so guys interact more fucking post comments even if it's not even a, we'll acknowledge like, you post a comment right now yep. just insulting me yep do it <laughs> i have the soundcloud open 
uh i'll open facebook just do it do something yeah because we're live (laughs) we'll get a notification right now (laughs) uh mark did comment on one of our episodes it was the one where you're talking about whether birds have leg independence they do they do but it's weak it's yeah because uh, I think I, I messaged you or I texted you. I walked mm-hmm. out of my office and I saw a crow running, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "They do!" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Thanks for the input, Mark. Yep. Woo! All right. Having uh, him having his bedtime story when he's elementary school be a college biology textbook really paid off. God damn! Really? Yeah. What a loser! I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's now I'm really hosting g- a podcast called Just Us Losers. Yeah. Now I'm really gonna get that insult, aren't I? <laughs> he's gonna. Is he an is he an insulting person? No. He's not. No. I'm oh come sure. on, Mark. Step up your game, Mark. Step up. Insult me. Say something mean. <laughs> Even if it's just like insulting DC because it's essentially insulting me. That's like crushing my soul if you insult DC. I'm kind of curious to see what he pulls out of the hat here. Yeah. It'd be really funny if it's just an insanely like brutal insult. <laughs> where it's just like you read it and you're like, fucking oof, dude. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, Mark, you got you got a challenge. Yep. All right. Okay. Um so that's what uh, what you been up to? Uh not a whole lot. I watched a movie last night and that's really about it. Yeah. Um, You've been busy. Yeah, I just started a new job, and so I'm figuring out how my schedule all kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. All right. You want, you want to talk about that movie? Because we watched it together. Oh, uh, we watched The Hunt. Yeah. Uh, really briefly. Uh, so I think we needed to talk about it more extensively on the actual 2012 episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I recommended it to my parents is go watch this fucking movie because it's amazing. But don't read the synopsis. Yeah. Go into it blind. And the moment you realize what it's about, oh, man, it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. All, all I'll say is it's it's very grim and very unpleasant, but very well made. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it's, it is thought-provoking. It yep. is, uh, boy, makes you think things that you didn't think you'd think. Yep. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Uh, I was definitely, I was dancing around a couple sentences when we were discussing it after watching it that I was just like, wow, I am borderline a garbage person right now for saying this sentence, but hear me out. Yeah. It's, uh, I mentioned this in the car on the way over, but I'm going to say it for the benefit of everyone listening. It's, I, I think literature and storytelling art mediums in general are at their best when they get the audience to ask the questions themselves, not when they do the asking or not when they do the answering, especially. Yeah. And this is one that really gets you to start asking the questions. It perfectly balances. It tells a very clean story, but with enough ambiguity and gray areas and stuff that it gets you to start asking your own questions and forming yep. your own judgments. Yep. It's good. It's very good. It's a Danish movie, so you'll have to read subtitles. Yep. As you read, but it's it's good. Expose yourself to foreign cinema. Yep. It's worth it. And no, that's not Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that out there. We all thought it. We all thought it. Well, I thought it was Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It kind of a combined combination of Brendan Gleeson and Brendan, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. But yeah, The Hunt, great movie. Go watch yep. it. Uh, prepare for a. Prefer for not wanting to do anything the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Ew. Definitely takes a lot out of you. Yeah. Uh, no, that's pretty much all I've been up to. I've been watching the Pro Chess League finals, which mm. is like it's the closest thing chess has to like formal teams and leagues and the sort of a spectator sport version. Mm-hmm. So they play reasonably quick games and it's online um, and they have actual teams that are sorted by location. It's, 
it, it's it's honestly pretty cool uh, the way they do it. They've got this thing this year where um, they have an eye tracker on the computers, so they can go in and like pull up the commentators can pull up where the players' eyes are on the Interesting. board. Interesting, because they're all playing just on the computer. Wait. They're, oh, they're playing yeah. on the computer. Oh. Yeah, it's it's run through chess.com. They're kind of the sponsors and hosts. Okay. And so it's like this little blue smudge slash dot that kind of follows their eyes. And How so you fast can see, do they go? Uh, pretty quick. Like you can tell you can tell what they're thinking about. Like it's kind of dancing around over here where there's some pawn tension, and then it flickers over here where maybe a couple moves later, like mm. be able to go take something. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's an interesting idea. And then of course the chess is just it's fun. It's really high quality. It's um. A lot of the best players in the world are playing, so mm-hmm. it's good. It's, it's an interesting. I want to see like brain activity, like see if there's spikes during significant moments. Yeah, they've done uh, experiments with heart rate monitors hmm. in tournaments, uh, certain tournaments like this, and it's kind of fun. Like you get down to thirty seconds on the clock, and <laughs> yeah, you freaking out, get up to like one sixty, one seventy. So damn, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. Science. It's a lot of, it's a lot of innovations. I think. I don't think chess will ever be a pure spectator sport, but I think this is the best version of it. That we oh, can it's get. definitely not going to be a pure spectator sport. Yeah, um, but this is this is a good compromise. I think it's it's popular appeal, but still, I don't know, reasonably reasonably good chess and cool, faithful to the game. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's that's all I've been up to. All right, uh, I have been well. This week is finals week, so I've been doing some studying. Good. Uh, I've been working. I've been oh, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> so, kind of along with my uh, kind of a couple weeks ago, I was exploring my old musical haunts where I was like mm-hmm. kind of listening to the music I listened to as a kid. I've been watching a bunch of Minecraft let's plays because hmm. I watched when I moved to Oklahoma. I had no friends, so what I actually did is like that's when. Uh, uh rooster teeth i don't know if you know who rooster teeth is i've heard of them uh they're actually someone we talk about when we do whenever we get around to doing like a history of youtube like how youtube function rooster teeth is a big fucking company um they started doing uh minecraft let's plays and going back as a 23 year old they're still pretty funny Hmm. it's actually kind of a it's it's uh i watch some of their new stuff and it's very much just pandery and not and it's crowded, and the new people that they have around aren't really funny. Uh, yeah. No that's, offense to if you're listening. Fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how those things always go. Yeah. You get popular, and you don't know what to do with yeah. it. And that's seven years of weekly Minecraft Let's Plays. Wow. Um, the old stuff was pretty original, uh, but now they're getting into, like... Uh, I mean, Minecraft itself has changed, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I even started playing a little bit just because, like, it was a like spur the you know and the height of the nostalgia i was like i'll play minecraft again and there's so much bullshit that's just stupid and it's just like man i miss it when it was just like you only had health and you would eat something to gain your health but now there's like food that you need to keep replenished which you know is a little more realistic and there's just well i don't know much about it but it seems like a game that'd be better if it's kept more simple and elemental i guess and with the PC, it, it basically, I think it got bad when Microsoft bought out Mojang mm. or Mojang. Moj- yeah, I think it's Mojang. That's what they're called. But uh, yeah, Microsoft kind of got all corporate with it and was just like, hey, mm. update everything. Yeah. Um, Alpha was 
great because that was the creative mode that was just like mm -hmm. you can like you have unlimited blocks and it's just a wide field of nothing and stuff like that uh then when they started doing the beta stuff it started like survival the early survival mode in the pc version you could like choose which version you played mm -hmm. so i would go back and i'd play the older versions kind of avoid the new stuff um but you can't do that anymore and also they made me buy it again because it Lame. used to be free um yeah and i have sure i have money no i don't it was a mistake it was a nostalgia driven mistake yeah and now i have it and now i need to play it more to at least get my money worth no of you it. don't yeah i do it's a sunk cost i need it it's a you sunk can't cost. unspend that money. yeah you can't that's a good point <laughs> yeah economics but yeah that's what i've been doing uh i read a little bit of new teen titans again um but boy what i'm about to be doing is crazy because i've got the new teen titans i've got five volumes of flash by mark wade mm -hmm. i want to reread a lot of the batman stuff batman hush batman and son uh batman r.i.p all the batman and robin stuff where mm -hmm. bruce wayne's gone and dick grayson is batman reread all that stuff so that'll be fun i also yeah. need to reread the nightfall saga so that's you'll hear about that yeah, at some point months on end yeah well i don't know it's summer I won't it's have true. much to do. And also, uh, around the 4th of July, our fa our friends are like you. I don't yeah. know if you're... Yeah. How are you guys going? I'm, I we'll get be, that weekend off, so... We'll be going down to uh, Galveston for a vacation, and I'll probably be doing a lot of reading down there, so that'll be fun. Cool. So, yeah. All Ooh, right. God, that probably spiked. I oh, I'm sure. I'll cut uh, that out. News. News. I want to start notebooks. off with a funny news. Yes, please do. Johnny Depp is rumored to not come back for the next Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> That series is a train wreck, yo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just a disaster. Losing the one guy you had that kind of carried it, like the big name you had that you could promote on. Because that's I what mean, they did. Yeah. They promoted on the name of Johnny Depp. Him and Eddie Redmayne, really. I don't think Eddie Redmayne is big, big enough to like promote on. Like it's not like because it's like Johnny Depp, Robert Downey Jr. Uh. Man, who are, like, the ones that like you, Tom like... Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Like, they're the ones you promote on. Yeah. They're the big guys. Yeah. I guess just, like, everyone that knows him likes Eddie Redmayne, but if he's, you not, wanna, he's yeah. not really a name. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to say purely A-list, it's a really, it's a relatively small list of actors. Like the A-plus list. A-plus list, yeah. Say. And that's, like, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne, I'd put him at like a either b or a he's, he's an he oscar a? winner is he really yeah well there's oscar winners that aren't a-listers <laughs> i don't know any oh. eh, I, think, right. I think your classification system is broken probably episode topic episode topic <laughs> <laughs> uh uh so yeah that happened that did happen uh another thing happened Wh which thing is that Ugh. Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. <laughs> boy, if there's a poster oh child for internet backlash. Yeah. Holy crap. If you have not seen the trailer for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, go watch it. It Prepare the bleach for your eyeballs. It looks so Okay, it the the movie itself looks kind of amusing. And I think it'll be like it'll be okay for what it is. I don't know about that. But Sonic looks terrible. This is also true. It's just, it's uncanny valley. Not really. It, I think it is. I think it's just a, that it's very different from the original. Well, it's design. that, but it's also like, 
it's it's just kind of off-putting that it's got this kind of between realistic and animated like weird teeth oh i can just show you the uh i sent this to andrew Mm -hmm. they took the pikachu and the sonic and they switched their faces oh dear and it's the most disgusting thing ever Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put that on Instagram right now. Oh boy, please do. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. The one thing I am excited about for this is Jim Carrey's going back to being Jim Carrey. He's back to Jim that Carrey. Looks, that looks fun. He's absolutely back to Jim Carrey. This I, is the exact character you need Jim Carrey to be. Yeah, I might watch it just for Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey classic version. Yeah, because he had a weird dark phase for a couple of years there. And, yes, he did. Um. So. Yeah, we'll get more. We'll get we'll get him. Yep. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be fat like the Robotnik, but right. Yeah, and oh god, all the memes that have come out about like they're doing a Super Smash Bros. Uh, like the like the the picture of Kevin Feige being in front of like the timeline thing of all the different movies. It's like you know, I don't think I would be totally opposed to it. Hmm. Like getting all those like fun movies and stuff like that. However, they're all going to be garbage. They all would be garbage. And yeah. also, we don't need more shared universes. Yeah. Remember when James Bond wanted to do a shared universe? <laughs> we still have to do an episode of all the shared universes people have claimed they're doing. Yep. And all the defunct ones. Yep. Like the three attempts at a dark universe. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dark universes, uh, we got a teaser for Swamp Thing. Yes, we did. Looks good. Everything except the Swamp Thing himself. I think looks good. You you could see the Swamp Thing himself? I saw enough of him to know he didn't look good. Eh. He lo- I mean, he just looked like a, a person with some light makeup. Did we see the same thing? I think so. He seemed to have, like, pretty extensive prosthetics on. Mm. Swamp Thing, trailer 2019. I'm just going to, like, kind of uh, take a glance at it. We can keep talking. Okay. I'm going to turn the yeah, sound no, down. Yeah, no, but, like uh aside from the swamp thing look itself i actually really like the teaser because it leaned really heavily into the horror element whoa which i like what are you what are you looking at is this an actual trailer yeah sort of i mean it doesn't whoa it's sort of a teaser spirit like... no like there's an actual like yeah this is the one i'm talking about oh i just saw the teaser oh well oh. then i will have to watch that i'll have to watch that later okay yeah, I, it really leans into the horror stuff. Good. Like, it's a creepy trailer. Good. Um, my only my only qualm is with the Swamp Thing look, which mm-hmm. we do not see much of. It's just a couple clips at the end. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's I think, a shot where he, like, pops out from under the water. There's that one. That's from the trailer. Or yeah. That's from the teaser. Yeah. That one looked okay. It was silhouetted enough that it looked like it was probably okay. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy it. I mean, also, Cyborg looks terrible. All the DC Universe... Like, stuff looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, Ed, none of it's fantastic yet. Yeah. And I'm not really expecting this to be fantastic, but I'm hoping that they, like, make it good enough to enjoy. Yeah. Like, and... Doom Patrol hasn't sucked me back yet. Mm-hmm. I've, I've missed out on several episodes. Yeah. So. But, um, but James Wan's really good. And oh, yes. And going back to his horror roots and mm-hmm. with the character with a great horror mythology built up. Yeah. it's uh, There's still some promise. Yep. I'm, I'm still on board. Let's see. What else has happened? Uh, Sophie Turner got married to one of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, Joe! They've That's been together for a while. Yeah. I watched the, uh, I think I talked about this when it came out, their uh, Sucker music video. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're all 
with their wives or yeah and it's just like oh i love this because they're all adults now and they've all like settled down yeah and it's wonderful and like uh when they were singing at the it was like billboard awards or something like that they were Mm -hmm. like going through and there was all the girls like screaming and like have obviously being held back like by security and stuff like that but like obviously they want something that the jonas brothers would originally have been like touching hands and like uh like kind of flirtily acting with yeah. just kind of walk straight past him go to their like literal wives and like nick leans in gives her a kiss and it's just yeah. like oh they're better now they're not just gross playboy teenagers now yeah but yeah no that's i mean that's honestly how you how they kind of have to do it to avoid the entertainment weekly and stuff like that just go secretly get married and come back yeah so it's as much as occasionally it really appeals to me, the idea of being famous, I wouldn't be able to handle the paparazzi. I would also, hit someone in a week. Also, if Sophie Turner was going to get married in these six weeks, it would have to be secret. Because mm. she's got way too much to worry about right now yeah. than trying to plan a big wedding. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not something that needs to be on her mind. Yeah. She needs to be on uh, concerned about how people are going to react to her death in the next episode. Whoa. Ah! <laughs> Uh, exclusive from us no god no what if though what if though that's how we get big we Mm. need to like just contact uh george r R. martin and be like hey give us just one little fact that we can that he's probably like it's out of my hands now i don't know what they're doing (laughs) he's like i have no idea (laughs) uh what else uh peter mayhew died oh yeah that happened yeah kind of ruined my thursday yeah and right before star wars day two yeah which you know everyone it kind of made me sad like peter mayhew is definitely kind of underknown yeah like for we being should probably clarify he he's the original chewbacca yeah he's the the original and like he was the chewbacca through the prequels too yeah he didn't do the action stuff but he definitely was around for and he taught the guy who uh guy who does chewy now he taught him how to do all like the head tilts and stuff like that like he's, right he's the i mean he created chewbacca he is chewbacca he's yeah. chewbacca um for may 4th everyone was just like oh we miss you carrie fisher and i was like but peter mayhew just died guys i did see (laughs) i did see a very cute cartoon of um princess leia standing outside the pearly gates and handing him a medal and it's been and she's like it's been it's it's too long it's it's later than it should have been but also too soon or something like that i was like oh don't make sweet. me feel emotions i've tried to just scroll through facebook that's that's two of the four down Mm-hmm. man harrison ford's not gonna go for a while mark hamill's not gonna go for a while mark hamill's healthy he got healthy for yeah this movie. He no, used to he's so healthy yeah he's he's got himself together yeah so that'll be that'll be sad when all four of them we're definitely gonna see them go because like yeah. kind of the sad part of like being early 20 being so young and like being so invested in pop culture we're gonna see like almost all of our characters die yeah 2018 you strike again or was it 2017 was all the i think 2016 was it 2016 2016 you struck again three three years late you continue (laughs) to strike because the year fucking did it yep i did notice a distinct lack of facebook posts that were like uh Rest in peace, Chewbacca. Here's a picture of me with Chewbacca because this tragedy is about me. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate people. Like how the Notre Dame burning down was an opportunity for everyone to post pictures of their trip to Paris. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> tragedy is about us. 
Yep. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that was a slight rant that has been that was kind of weird. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Endgame has passed two billion at the global box office. Dude, in two weeks, in eleven days. In eleven days, it passed the box office record. Yeah, total box. It still got months to go, guys. Yeah, not the not the record. <laughs> oh, what? But, no the record. Um, close to three billion, I think. Ooh, what? Well, I mean, unless you count Gone with the Wind, which I think is like four if you adjust for inflation. I thought I, I looked it up. It was like one point seven. No, because Force Awakens made like two point two. Uh, um, let's see. Avatar is two point seven billion, but Gone with the Wind I think is more like four if you adjust. How for did Gone with the Wind get so famous? Because it was a hugely popular movie back in a time when movies were one of the only forms of entertainment, and it was a massive spectacle, and it was based on a hugely popular book. And it was right when movies were actually getting good enough that... And they also said, damn. They did. I think that probably helped with the... That scandal kind of helped with the popularity. Yeah. Like how... uh start saying fucks in, on TV now. And that mm-hmm. kind of got people to bring, go back to Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. If you see people say fuck, which is fun. Yeah. I haven't said fuck very much this, this episode. No. I've been pretty tame on the curse words. Yeah. Fuck. because that's something that needs to happen yep yeah no as of as of this recording though endgame has passed titanic for the number two spot yep by nice literally one million dollars that is dude and they're gonna keep going oh yeah they made they made something like 146 million dollars domestically in their second weekend yeah which is for an opening weekend would be top 25 of all time spoilers are allowed spoilers are allowed to start going online tomorrow Rooster Brothers allowed. have actually like no Rooster Brothers have actually yeah well, I mean they, they had no they way have of no power it. but I'm glad that that has been enforced yeah they but uh, I mean and also with stuff like this with the massive like passion for this universe mm-hmm. people who care won't do it people who don't care either don't know or just like don't care yeah. or like at least respect it enough to not do it there are obviously the dickheads that are out there that will do it but oh yeah for the most part like it's that stuff like will stay unspoiled, but starting starting tomorrow, that's it's like they'll be allowed. It's no longer so safe. That's when we will start like dropping spoilers. Yeah, we'll care less. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's big like, and exciting. I feel like I saw other news that happened today. Uh, let's see. Well, while you're doing that, uh, I saw a trailer for a movie that I thought looked kind of intriguing. Uh, Crawl. Did you see that? Mm-mm. It's um a young woman. There's a like a hurricane coming and it's gonna flood this town, I guess in Florida. Um, and she goes back home to try to find her dad and she gets trapped in her house with her dad as the floodwaters are rising and there's a giant alligator trying to get him. And so it's kind of a closed environment hmm. with a monster. Uh, it, it looks like an interesting concept. Um, okay. It could end up being really badly done, but I wanted to mention it just because. It's it looks reasonably intriguing and original, and I like to support things that are reasonably intriguing and original. Cool. Uh, a few games news because we don't really do that very often. Oh yeah, uh, Star Wars Jedi: The Fallen are. Order is out. Oh, I did. Yeah, I knew that uh, was which is a thing. thing. I can't remember what kind of game it is. It got teased at last year's E3. Got a little bit more uh, at Comic Con, mm-hmm. and then they just dropped it. I thought they were it was gonna be a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, there's been little hype about that. It's uh, uh, 
yeah. Oh, scheduled for release on November 15th. Okay. The pre-order is Okay, I was going to say, like, no one's hyped about this, and I knew people were not excited about Star Wars games right now, but... I mean, this one, like, we're hoping it's... Uh, it's been available to pre-order since it was in... What the hell is going on? Over on Amazon, the game's been discounted. Jedi goes on... Goes on... That's a misleading headline. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order goes on sale just in time for Star Wars Day. Yeah, I'd read that as, like, it went it, on sale this yeah, week. That's that's what I read it as, because I didn't bother reading the... Because uh-huh. I was just like, oh, I get it. That's, the, that's what it means. But... And I don't have the money, so I'm not going to buy it yet. But, okay... November 15th. That is one of the most, like, late November is one of the, or mid-November is one of the most common times. Yeah. So many movies, or so many games have come out on November 15th, because it's also my mom's birthday, uh. <laughs> which is why I know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, John Favreau reportedly, re- reportedly returning for Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2. Cool. Means they're already getting a Season 2. Means they're excited about Season 1. Yep. Which is a good sign. Uh, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I scrolled down too far. Shit. Uh, Come on, get it together, man. The Avengers Project is aiming to be a game, uh, game of the year level title, so they're gonna, mm. uh, they're making an Avengers game, which, you know, it's gonna be interesting how they do that because Avengers, like a team game like that, you have to. So okay, for uh, example one, or uh, to- topic one, creating mechanics for a character. You it it's a lot of work to make it finely tuned for that character. Right. It took a lot of money to get the Arkham series to work so well, and it works really well. Yeah. But they made that mechanic specifically for for Batman. Right. Uh, the Spider Man one, they kind of had a basis with the Spider Man two game, mm-hmm. um, but like that mechanic works really well for Spider Man. There's a lot of different characters with marvel that you have to kind of like like you can't just have uh hawkeye just shoot bows and stuff like that you need to find a way that you can make it seamlessly and uh immersionally immersionally immersively immersively there we go immersively be hawkeye and never miss right and stuff like that and it's just like pressing square holding square and having him never miss is like cheap way of doing it right so like you've got to go through every character and make make it feel like you could use the batman uh fighting uh thing for black widow yeah you could easily do that or captain america because definitely definitely captain america um well the shield the shield does change the game a little yeah so yeah that'll be there that's gonna be a lot of work and i uh who's producing it because we don't talk about video games very much nope i like to talk about video games i like video games uh crystal dynamics wow really okay they're a relatively small company okay. which means it's gonna be fucking good because you get companies like uh um god who did the spider-man one was a relatively small company ea no that's not the one god no uh <laughs> that was a relatively small one and they did really well like uh you get big companies like activision and they'll just spit out formulaic Call of Duty shit. Yeah. Blizzard, they'll spit out uh, formulaic uh, – well, not Blizzard, uh, Bungie. will spit out uh, formulaic Halo movies. Well, Microsoft now, they bought Bungie. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. But you get like a relatively small company, and it becomes an – it's an art. It's still an art for them. Mm-hmm. So 
Okay. I'm, I'm optimistic for that. All right, cool. Oh, yes, I will buy an Avengers game. If it's a good game, it's a good superhero game, I'll fucking buy it. Okay. I bought Marvel. Or I didn't buy Marvel. Wow, let's try this again. Yeah, you did. It cost you several billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. I think you had. None of that sentence was correct. <laughs> I, I played the Spider-Man game. <laughs> I didn't buy it, and it wasn't just Marvel. Uh, None of that sentence was right. Uh, all right, so yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Should we talk Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Let's talk Game of Thrones for a uh, moment. Game of Thrones spoilers. We're for... spoiling all the way up through season eight, episode three. Yep, the big one. So close your ears, fucking losers. I'm the only one at zero points right now, and it makes me sad. Yeah, and I'm pretty confident I'm going to get to negative five to this, uh, today mm-hmm. because I have nobody on my list right now, or mm. I have nobody to die for today, and I'm pretty certain that someone someone's got to die. So so, so let's talk about just the basis of it. Relic, pretty disappointing episode. I'm I'm kind of going back and forth because I you know I was really disappointed like when it happened. Yeah, like Arya did the the jump from behind and I booed. Yeah, I was did. like this is dumb, and I've kind of come around on it because it and like where everyone ended up was actually sort of where I wanted it to end up. Mm-hmm. Like they win, they I'm gonna bring it back. Beat off the army of the dead, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at tremendous cost. And so now they have to march south with a depleted army to face Cersei. And it's sort of the the lawless universe justifies her going back on her word. Mm-hmm. So that's a very Game of Thrones thing to do. My problem is I don't feel like that happened because no one died that I cared about. And that is. Uh... That is exactly kind of the point that I was making kind of throughout. Every time someone I'd ask someone if they were a Game of Thrones person, then I would just, like, launch into this lecture. Um, this – so uh, let's let's just put it out there. Miguel Sospochnik can make a fucking battle scene. That he can. Oh, my God. This was a beautiful episode. Like, yeah. there were just so many shots. As dark as it was and everyone complaining about it being dark, that's kind of what made it, like, awesome because it was – it was the darkness versus the light. So it was literally yeah. darkness and then suddenly fire. Yeah. And it was just, it was a really dynamic visually episode, but yeah. dynamically visual episode. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole Dothraki visually dynamic. Ch- there we there go. It is. The, the Dothraki charge at the beginning, just seeing them sweep across the plane. That's a gorgeous shot. Yeah. And then watching him disappear in the background. That's the Miguel Sapochnik. Thing. Yeah. He's. I thought this during the episode, and I haven't said it yet, but I wanted to say it. He's everything Zack Snyder wishes he could be. Oh, absolutely. He's got. <laughs> he's got such a a style visually, and it's it's so raw and visceral, and he's got just a a great eye for really effective visuals. He's got a great eye for like fatigue and exhaustion and like suspenseful terror and like yeah I think, okay let's let's say suspenseful fatigue there we go yeah where it's just like it it's a harrowing experience yeah putting john under like that entire uh army for battle yeah. of the bastards yep just the insane the 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 volume of enemies during hard home mm-hmm. like he knows how to like put you against a wall and make you feel it yeah um and that they definitely did that um however i compare this to battle of the bastards a lot because mm-hmm. battle of the bastards was a culminating battle it like was, you saw yeah. it coming yeah um but the things that battle that battle of the bastards did phenomenally are the things that 
Battle for Winterfell did wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with number one, which is Arya killing the Night King. That was such a fan f- fan servicey thing. So to me, the way I saw it is, it was a fan servicey thing because everyone wanted Arya to be the one to kill him because she's the one, she's the assassin and the badass. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, oh, that'd be cool if she kills him. And then the show is like, cool, she's gonna be the one to kill him. How do we make this make sense? So they kind of retconned a bunch of things that happened in her past, yeah. like when when uh, Melisandre said to her, "Green eyes or brown eyes, green eyes, blue eyes." Those are just the colors of eyes. I there's no way that that's what they had intended that early. It's possible that's what they had intended that it, early because they knew the broad shape of what Gurm was going for. And yeah, it's possible that this was in his vision too. This was so like. It was built up so little. Like, with everything else, like, you can feel like, oh, that's what they've been doing. Like, Ned dying, the Red Wedding. Like, this stuff is stuff that you can see happening. Like, every scene almost, there's a little aspect that kind of goes into this this building thing. This is like, she said that one time, what do we say to the God of Death? And, And the dagger being given to her. Yeah. Those are basically it. That's three things for eight seasons that say, oh, she's going to be the well, one to kill Night King. And there's the whole conversation between Beric and John north of the wall where he's like, we're alive for a reason. And that reason, it turns out, is to get Arya into the place she needs that, to be. Okay. I, that's, okay. That's such a shitty way to – sorry. It's like <laughs> that, the, that, that reasoning has pissed me off because you can <laughs> – you can make a show, you can make a book, you can make any sort of media and have a character that you say you're here for a reason. Yeah. And just be vague about it and yeah. then later decide what the reason yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And that's absolutely what I feel like they did. Yeah. You're here. You came back to life. That's the cool thing. For a reason so it's not just nonsense. We'll figure out what the reason is later. And mm-hmm. this was a chance to be like, oh, you can keep Arya alive. That'll be your reason. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it it felt messy and sloppy and lazy to me. Yeah. I think very broadly conceptually, I like the idea of Arya being the one. She's She's got loyalties to the, the side of the living very much, but she's also become the closest to death, and she's mm-hmm. acquired the particular set of skills that were needed in that situation. Aren't Liam Neeson? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the execution was just real clumsy. Like, yeah. even in the, the actual attack itself, like, Having a, a one brief cutaway to a, a White Walker turning his head halfway is not a satisfying way of explaining how she got from point A to point B. That was an, that's, that was an incredible contradiction with how she is. Mm-hmm. If the point of that shot of seeing a White Walker with his head and you hear whoosh, that's showing I, – I, 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 uh, you, you hated that a lot Yeah, uh, when we watched. I don't know if you still do. I do. We know that she's learned those skills. Yeah. However, that would have made more sense if we see her disappear and then we see the Night King, like, go for the sword and then just stop and shatter. And then we just see Arya just kind of, like, hidden with the dagger out. Yeah. Because why would you be sneaky and then just jump? Right. That's such a, that's such a like, a torment way to attack somebody. Yeah. It also- is not an Arya. If you show that Arya is stealthy enough to walk past the army of the dead and this, like... This, I'll be a fucking awesome lineup of White Walkers. <laughs> that shot of them. That was such a good gate, shot. That's oh, that's a chilling shot. Yeah, I want to make that my wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> just like put it like my actual room wallpaper. Just right. a wall of just the White Walkers walking towards yep. me. 
Um, but if you show that she has that skill, why throw it away with her jumping, like having a, like a trampoline yeah. where she just jumps? She just it makes appears no out of nowhere. Right? Yeah. Throws it out of the way. Yeah. Or like, throws it out. You can you can concoct an explanation after the fact for how she ended up there, like how she like worked to. her way through. And I feel like, yeah, they're going to. But the problem is when I watched that the first time, I can't turn off that sort of basic logical element of my brain that says this doesn't make sense. She shouldn't be here. Because mm-hmm. so I needed I needed some way for her to have gotten there. And I think that would have been satisfying to watch her actually bring her skills to fruition. Yeah. Also. Let me take a detour and talk about Alfred Hitchcock because he explains the difference between surprise and suspense very effectively. He, I think I know exactly where you're going. With he this. takes he takes a clip. I mean, you've you've seen this this clip that he uses. Oh, okay. Where um, there's a, a group of people and they're having dinner in like a cafe and a bomb goes off and it's surprising and terrifying and whoa, you're shocked. Mm-hmm. But it's often more ex- more effective if you make it suspenseful. You show the bomb show being the bomb. planted. Then you put him at the table. Then you're sitting there. You're waiting for the explosion. It's still going to be a shocking thing when it yeah. happens. But you have that build up. You have that anticipa- anticipation of what's going to happen. Are they going to get out of it? Are they going to find out? So literally the difference between surprise and situa- and uh, uh, suspense is situational irony. Yeah. And for people who didn't take an English uh, – didn't take, what, like ninth grade literature? <laughs> suspense uh, – uh, Situational irony is when the audience is that situational irony? Uh, dramatic. Dramatic irony. irony is when the audience knows something that the characters don't. Yeah, and that's what suspense is. Yeah, like it. It's just this episode was. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I. There are moments when surprise is more effective than suspense. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, there's a quiet place actually has a couple of really good examples of that mm-hmm. where it's mostly just suspense throughout. You kind of know what's yeah. going on, but there's a couple of moments like Emily Blunt, her water breaks and she's walking up the stairs and you see the monster like walk across the hall in front of her and mm-hmm. you're not expecting it to be there. That's a surprise moment yeah. and effective one because it immediately ratchets the tension up another level. Suspense in that context is when you saw the nail go up after it got nabbed, mm-hmm. and, you, and it zooms in on that, and you know that's coming back. Yeah. And then you see her walking down the stairs, and you're like, fuck! Yeah. The nail! Yeah. <laughs> Plant that idea. Yeah, that's suspense. Right. That's when we know that it's there, but she doesn't. Right. Um, so, that, so the satisfaction of Arya being the one to kill him was something that was done really poorly with this, because we... It was it was surprise. It wasn't suspense. We didn't yeah. see this coming. Although, and I said this to you after we watched it, I think it'd be even less satisfying if John managed to kill him. Oh, we all yeah. wanted John to kill him, but the way that they built it up with him following the Night King, that would have been very dissatisfying yeah. because it was just been like, oh, we just saw this coming. It's a really straight line storytelling. Yeah. Um, with the Battle of the Bastards, John hates Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And he runs up and he beats the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, it, this is more of a Ramsey deserves it. But there's part of you in your brain. You're like, fuck, yes. Like, I, wa- I love watching him like die. But part of you is just like, this isn't entirely satisfying. And then there's a really great video that breaks down that entire episode by Cinefix. You should go check it out. Battle of the Bastards by Cinefix. Yeah. Fucking great. Check episode. out everything they do. Honestly. Oh, yeah. All their stuff. Um. He's beating the shit out of Ramsey, and then it pans up to Sansa, and you're like, that's the person who deserves to kill Ramsey. Yes. Because he raped her. Yep. Multiple times. Many, if many anyone, times. she gets to, she deserves to kill him. Yep. 
I'm not going to get political in real life here. This is a fucking TV show. Don't mm-hmm. kill people. <laughs> um, but in a, in a world like Westeros. Yeah. Let she deserves to kill it. And she does. Yeah. And that's one of the most satisfying moments of the entire show mm-hmm. is letting San- is Sansa's little smile when Ramsay's just getting eaten by his own dogs. Yeah. It's just every sort of satisfaction and irony and comeuppance is in that scene. Yeah. This episode did not do that. Right. Second part is feeling the loss that the characters feel at the end of the battle. Yeah. You mentioned that. Yes. This was my big point about this. And I came up with like a really like good example of like comparing. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these main characters, like what? I'd say like maybe 12 main named characters in this oh, battle. At least. at least four of them die. One of them we don't really care. So Jorah we care about. Yep. We're sad that he died. Cause it, we didn't really see him dying coming. Like, I, yeah, I explicitly picked him to survive going into this. Yeah. Um, it was a good death. Wait, do you have him to survive all the way to the end? No. Oh, okay. But I had him survive in this episode. Um, Theon was a sad death. Mm-hmm. He, his his story seemed... I would, li- I would like to see him kind of, like, come out on top of things more. Yeah. Like, but, I mean... That being said, how many more redemptive moments could they give yeah, him? Yeah, he's, he's been redeemed. Yeah. They really hammered home every member of the Stark family being like, I forgive you. Yeah. Like, that whole thing. Um, fucking who else died? Oh, Liana died. She was not a main character. Yeah. I literally had her as my, as my survivor because I worship her. Yeah. Because <laughs> she is just a goddess of a child. Yep. I showed you, there's a video of her <laughs> dancing. Boy, can she dance. She yeah. can break dance. She yeah. can fucking break dance, dude. She can do a head spin. It's great. But she died. It, not dramatic. No, like, it was dramatic and it was emotional, but like overall zero consequences yeah it's a it's a low stakes death but it's also a good death because it's taking a character you care about yeah so that's sort of the first moment where you actually feel the battle starting well not the first moment first moment's the lights disappearing which is great but once they break the gate you don't feel anything watching the army of the dead break through the gate it's just a gate watching them break one of your favorite characters yeah that hurts you. Yeah. That you get a real sense. You have to, th- that, that's the thing about battles like this. You have to make them really character oriented because you're not invested in the tactical and strategical layout of this. You're invested oh, absolutely. in the particular characters. And so you have to tie all of your emotional arcs and things into your, what your particular characters yep. are doing. Yeah. So there's her. Who's the fourth person that died? Uh... I don't, <laughs> don't really know. Let's see. Who is it? No, there was someone. Um, oh, Ed. Ed Tollett. That's right. No one gives a shit. Yeah. Ed's a great character. He's always been there for like the Night's Watch stuff. He's now the not. He's he was what? The, now he's the he Lord, Lord Commander. Commander. Yeah. Um. Well, he kind of failed now that they got south of the wall. Yeah. Kind of failed the whole point. But no one really was. gave a shit. Yeah. We didn't even remember he died. We had to remember had to think about it. Yeah. Um. Uh, four characters out of at least twelve. Like. I'm, yeah. 12 to 15. And all of these ones were ones that were at the end of their arc. Yeah. Like, they were ones that it was reasonable to kill, with the, the possible exception of Lyanna. And she's not a major character. Yeah, absolutely not. So. So, about a third, less than a third less of the characters third, died. Yeah. Guys, the Dothraki are gone, and the Unsullied are gone. We need to feel that. That's a lot of fucking people gone. Yeah. That is a giant, that is two giant, massive armies that they established, they really hammered home this season mm-hmm. how big those armies really are. Yep. They're completely gone. Yep. We don't feel that, that ratio. 
So then flashback to B- Battle of the Bastards. You got five main characters that are uh, good guys. There's more than five. But you yeah. got five main good guy characters. One one Tormund and John fighting, Davos fighting, and then Rickon being there. Right. One one and uh, and Rickon die. Yeah. Half about half. Like you can't you can't half five. Well, John's half dead. It's true. There you go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half characters of the dead at, are dead at the end of that. About half their army dies. Yeah. You feel that loss. You feel that like mm-hmm. we just lost half of people we care about. Yeah. And like that. That we're we're in the shoes of John, where he's just like, I just lost my youngest brother, and someone I like, and a a person that's very valuable to our military. I don't know how much he like cared about one one, but mm-hmm. super valuable yeah. in the military. And <laughs> and even beyond just like a a straight ratio to losses, the way they tie that battle into just jaw John's individual struggle is great for getting you to feel what the the broader scope of the battle is. Yeah. You start burying him in bodies. He's desperate. He's clawing for air. You're desperate. You know that things are desperate for the Northerners. Yeah. And he... Because they're all Northerners, really, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, and the way he gets out of that is he claws himself out. Yeah. It's a really satisfying moment when he made it, when he, like... You get the whole, like, the, the muffled sound and, like, the... Mm-hmm. Just, like, all that stuff. But then when it... You can the the sound kind of releases as he takes a breath above mm-hmm. that's satisfying that's relieving yeah. so and then so that that's kind of leads into my next one you've got Brienne Tormund uh Brienne Tormund Sam and Jamie, Jamie who are constantly pinned against a wall by this army of ruthless dead people that have no qualms about being killed no and pain, overwhelming people nothing, yeah. it's just it's horde it's horde uh tactic yeah. they they just attack um constant up against the wall being overwhelmed and someone else comes in and saves them. Yeah. There's no sense of like satisfaction to watch Jamie being pinned down and like managing to get himself out because he's a talented fighter. Yeah. It's just like multiple times Brienne, I counted three mm-hmm. Brienne was overwhelmed and then Jamie came in and saved her. Yep. It, it's just unsatisfying and makes no sense. Yeah. You start to lose stakes the more you do that. Yeah, you need to land a few deaths in order for it to count, and deaths of people that are skilled that you think just rationally this person has a decent chance of surviving because yeah. they're a great fighter. You got to start killing those people, otherwise you, they don't pose a threat. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that those are my reasons why this episode was incredibly unsatisfying. Yeah, just everything was super well done except the writing. Yeah. Can we talk about the music for a second? Music went on a little too long in that dramatic tense scene. Well, a whole dramatic tense scene. But yes, too long. Uh, yeah. they put that. They put that. They put the the Night King song on Spotify mm-hmm. uh, because it was like another uh, Light of the Seven yeah. level moment. It very much felt like Jawadi just trying to be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta one up the Light of the Seven. Yeah. How can I do that? And More I don't piano. Think he does. I don't think he does one. No, he doesn't. It, but um, I mean, it's, it's, it's I don't good. think he does because it's the. It's what it's the music to that is kind of kind of loses its effect. Yeah, like this one was. So the difference between the two of them, the reason Light of the Seven works so well is because it's kind of like it's peaceful and kind of like menacing, mm-hmm. and you're just kind of like, what's going on? Why is there? So, why? What's going on? I don't. I'm confused. And it builds as the tension of the scene builds, and it and it builds and it builds and it builds. And the last one minute is when you realize what's actually going on. Yeah, when the organ starts. Da, 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 yeah, and you're like, fucking what? And then there is there is no like save the day. 
Yeah. It goes wrong. Yeah. And this one was just like, I mean, I know what's going on. He's walking. He's staring. He's still staring. He's still staring. Aria wins! Yeah. Very, very different writing to the music. And I think that's why this song could have been the next, like, one up Mm -hmm. if the writing did it, did the same thing, did the right justice to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think musically he's tied to. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Can I just say, take another brief detour and Mm -hmm. say how, is it just me or was the Night King totally doing like a wordless monologue at Bran? Oh, I feel like we might, dude. I really hope what we get is something where, like, there was something like a word wordless monologue, but like mm-hmm. it was, they were on a connection that we will see what that connection was. Okay, like maybe it's like a you created, like you're my creator, like I'm gonna kill you kind of thing that we don't know about yet, mm-hmm. or like uh i created you kind of thing like something like that where there's more to that than just uh you're the you're the memory of the world i gotta kill you mm-hmm. i want there i want there to be more between the two of them yeah um also so the thing that emily amelia clark said okay next three episodes so she was on jimmy kimmel next three episodes are absolutely mental apparently okay which i mean if she's saying that like they didn't really say that about the first two episodes. They were just like, yeah, this episode, uh, episode three is like the biggest battle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, things go crazy. But she's just like, this is mental. And episode five is bigger than episode three. And watch it on the biggest TV you can find. Okay. Dude, I'm so hyped. I mean, there's a rational part of my brain that says they got to say something like that, given the uh, mixed reaction here. But there's also part of my brain that's like, yes. <laughs> I think it's because, I mean, think about it. The more I think about it, yeah, a lot of the main characters survived. But now it's like only the main characters against the Golden Company. Yep. They don't have an army anymore. Not really. They have, they got their two dragons, but like. A few straggling survivors. A few, few straggling northerners left, but like against the Golden Company. Like, because the way I described it to one of my friends is the Golden Company and the Unsullied are basically you got the Golden Company, the Unsullied, and the and the uh, Dothraki. Mm-hmm. Golden Company and Unsullied are very highly trained, so they're insanely skilled, right? Yep. Golden Company's highly trained. Yeah, yeah, they're the, uh, the best cell swords, basically. Golden Company is like the knights kind of trained, where like they're trained, they have their freedom, mm-hmm. but they're just really, really, really good. Yeah. Unsullied are slave level trained. Mm-hmm. Dothraki are just fucking ruthless. Yeah. Um, and they live by the sword and it shows. Yeah, exactly. And so not having the Unsullied or the Dothraki anymore, maybe some, maybe like a hundred, a couple hundred, because we saw a few Dothraki come back. Yeah. We didn't see very many. We saw some of the Unsullied retreat into the castle. Yeah. So we've got a, few, a of them, few of them, but not enough to hold back the Golden Company. And yeah. I think that's what it's going to be about. It's these few survivors. It's, it's not Jamie Lannister leading an army. It's Jamie Lannister versus the Golden Company and going, fuck, mm-hmm. fuck, fuck, fuck. I don't know how I'm going to win. And yeah. that's where we see deaths is because they have no cannon fodder anymore. Mm. It's them against the actual army one on a on hundred. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I buy <laughs> so I think that – I hope that's where they go. Yeah. I also hope this next episode tonight is when they actually kill our characters because, like, part of me wants – this is the kind of writing I would do. Mm-hmm. If I were to make a show like this that I would build this up, I would do a huge battle and everyone's like, how did everyone survive? 
But then the beginning of this episode is when the Golden Company comes in with elephants and just kills everyone. Because <laughs> like, and that's kind of what Jamie or what Cersei's plan is. Mm-hmm. You ju- you just fight off the survivors. Doesn't really make sense if one of the survivors is the Army of the Dead and they just doubled in size. But uh, <laughs> she was gambling. She was gambling. Um, but yeah, no. This is when you kind of go into this next episode with just like, oh, it's a setup episode. Uh, false sense of security, and then they just fucking off John. Yeah, okay. He just like he's just talking, and then he just gets an arrow through the face, and you're like, fucking what? Game no! of Thrones is back. <laughs> this really feels like wishful thinking. But oh, it absolutely also is. Just realistic enough that I'm. Oh, hopeful. did we talk about my th- my Jon Snow theory last week? No. So my Jon Snow theory last week, just to kind of get that out there, because the whole episode we thought I was. Like they kept teasing that it could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my John Thos, John Thos what was theory. That? <laughs> <laughs> yep, my John Snow theory is that um, when I made the theory, I didn't know that the Lord of Light magic and the Night King magic, or like Children of the Forest, Ergo Night King magic, are the same kind of magic. They are the same kind of magic, but because it's Lord of Life and Lord of Death, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like Azura High kills the White Walker or kills the Night King. He is a servant of Lord of Light, therefore they are in the same field. But I didn't know that. So my theory was. We didn't know that they're the same magic. So what it could what could potentially happen is the Night King still sees John as dead because mm-hmm. he was brought back through Lord of Light magic. And John just gets turned into a white. Not killed and turned into a white. Just you see like uh, so okay, so now I'm going to break down one of the one of the um uh, arguments against it is that we have we haven't had that established thus far mm-hmm. that those two magics don't don't agree. So I was like, okay, how about this? Melisandre shows up and they're like, hey, Red Woman, fire, burn the shit out of these guys. And she's like, I can't. My magic doesn't affect each other. Like this magic doesn't. Our two magics don't recognize the power of the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could even, that could even be, she could be explicit with it. She could turn to John because she's the one who brought him back and said to them, you're still dead. And that's when you're like, oh no. So like, that's okay. when you explain it. And then when she lit the fire swords, well, uh, so when she showed up at the beginning of the episode, you freaked out. Everyone freaked out. You and <laughs> Hannah were like pointing at me, like very excitedly. And I was like, I know. <laughs> Cause the moment you saw a cloaked figure on a horse, I was like, that's Melisandre. Yeah. It took you guys a couple minutes to start like pointing at me. <laughs> Did you guys realize it? I think I realized it, but I forgot about your theory. And then I was like, Oh wait, she's yeah. going to explain things. Yeah. So like when she showed up, I was like, everyone started just like going, Oh my God. Oh my God. It might happen. It might happen. Like Carter was punching me in the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she shows up and then she does the fire thing. And I'm just like, okay, Maybe she doesn't know that the magic doesn't work or something. And then they run off and die. And I'm like, okay, maybe the fire on the swords didn't work. And that's why they died because it was useless. Mm-hmm. And then when she's doing the trench, she's like, uh, saying the spell, saying the spell, saying the spell. And it's not working. I'm like, okay, this is where they explain it. Where she like turns to someone being like, oh, my magic doesn't work. <laughs> yep. It's like, it's much messier and much harder to make that connection. If that's the way they do it, rather than her just looking at John and going, you're still dead to them. Right. Um, so then later, when John is chasing after the Night King and the Night King starts raising the dead, John stops and the Night King looks really hard at John and zooms in and it zooms in right on his face. And I'm like, are they going to do it? But they didn't do it. No. There was multiple times throughout the entire episode I thought they were going to go with that. No. that w- can you imagine how fucking bonkers that would have been? That would have been, in the words of Amelia Clark, mental. Mental. 
if he just he just turned into Jon Snow and he just his eyes go blue, and you're like, oh no, oh god, that is bad news bears. <laughs> <laughs> you mean bad news direwolves? Well, it's bad news bears because the Mormons are gone. Oh! Hey! Oh! Too soon. <laughs> I'm proud of that one. That was good. That was good. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Right. Um. Boy, we've been talking about this episode a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a big episode. It's a big episode, and yep. I, I stopped the timer. It's going to be a long episode. Oh, yeah, that's so. all right. I mean, honestly, we'll have to come back and talk about this topic more. Cause... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So, should we dive in? I think we should dive into this episode. I will fucking get to it. I don't... All right. I'm going to go check to make sure it's still recording. Okay, that's a good plan. I will say real quick, while we're still talking about the episode and haven't officially segued yet... It's the only thing I've seen since Dunkirk to pull off the Dunkirk ticking in the music. Yeah. And it pulled it off well. Ramanjwadi was he was he was playing playing a little fast and loose and kinda of experimenting this episode, yeah. doing some different things, and it really worked, I think. Yeah. Ramanjwadi can make a fucking soundtrack, dude. I've I up until this episode I thought he was overrated. Really? Yep. Including Lord of Light? Yep. Or Light of the Seven, I mean? Yeah. Huh. I thought that was a good track, but okay. one good track does not have you have you listened to the Pacific Rim one yet? No. Oh man, like I said, it's like if they took uh, the guy who made the Game of Thrones soundtrack and told him to make a soundtrack <laughs> to a movie about giant monsters fighting giant robots. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, what are we talking about today? Hey, we're talking about Tolkien. He's British. Yeah, but he's also like super refined British, like. Uh, oh, talking, yeah, not Cockney. <laughs> we're talking about Tolkien today. He's not like Cockney or Welsh or anything. Or not Welsh. Uh, from Wales. He's, he's was it like Buckingham Palace kind of British? <laughs> Rather, we're exactly. going to be discussing the works and the life of J.R.R. Tolkien. Yep. We're talking about Tolkien. 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 That was German. He's, he, his family is German originally. And he fought in World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. And World War One. Did he no, he fought in World War One. Oh, well, against the Germans. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was alive for World War Two, and everyone thought Lord of the Rings was based on World War Two, but it totally wasn't. Fun hmm. fact. That's... All right, so we're talking about Tolkien. Uh, the movie Tolkien is coming out. Yep. So we decided this would be a good chance to talk about like the extensive works of him. Honestly. We could just stop doing a pop culture podcast and turn this into a Tolkien podcast and go for years. Yeah, there is there is so much. Yep. And we're going to touch on some of them. We might do like a Tolkien part two. <laughs> we might have to do a few Tolkien's. Yeah, part we'll do one, two, we'll part do one, two, part we'll two. We'll do one the, when the, the Amazon series comes out. That'd be a good one. We'll do another one. Yep. Um, so... Since we're doing since we're doing this based on the movie Tolkien coming out, we should talk more about him. Yeah, that's kind of what I was exploring a little yeah. for this. I mean, I, I read Lord of the Rings leading up to this. Yeah. Also, because I wanted to read Lord of the Rings and I read Silmarillion in the summer. So, we just talked about Game of Thrones for a while, and we're in the height of Game of Thrones hype because it's we're halfway through the final season yep. of this giant fantasy thing. Yep. Um. What. Tolkien is just regarded as this like really highly, uh, like respected fantasy guy He's... that just started just by telling his kids some stupid story. Sort of. Oh, I mean, 
he did tell his kids stupid stories, but he was he was always kind of into this sort of thing. He wrote there's bits and pieces from Middle Earth legend that he wrote as far back as like during the war years or before the war years. Yeah. Um he was always just drawing maps of these made up places and writing languages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but so, whoa, I just punched the shit out of my mic. Yeah, but the I mean his actual like emergence into the popular culture and into becoming really the guy who made fantasy a respectable genre for the first time uh, started with The Hobbit, which was, as you say, mostly just a, a children's story that he ended up... He wrote it down, and no one ever thought anything of it, and then a publisher friend that he knew happened to find a copy or something mm-hmm. or just like stumbled upon it, and it's like, well, this is a gold mine. Yeah. <laughs> That's a smart person right there. <laughs> um, so what makes him so much different what what makes him stand out in the fantasy writing world beyond well, like george r. r martin and uh i wouldn't i wouldn't set him beyond george r. r martin i'll get to that in a bit okay uh, i think that they're opposite ends of the broad ranging spectrum but uh, well for one thing uh fantasy was largely regarded as kind of silly almost diversions children's mm-hmm. stories up to then uh there's the only fantasy writer i know who has any prominence before tolkien was george mcdonald who had a definite influence on both tolkien and uh c.s lewis and mm-hmm. the sort of the mid-20th century fantasy guys and he he wrote they're very much just like bedtime story style yeah fantasy stuff and it's just you know it's kind of twists on classic mythology and there's little goblins and witches and princes and stuff like that and it's 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 fine but it's just sort of a a bastardized not especially interesting version of what's already been said in mythology i think what set tolkien apart among his his contemporaries at least was that he was the real deal he this was a guy who spent his life learning and studying language and mythology and culture and history and he conceived not of not of a world or of a story necessarily but of an entire mythology uh-huh. he was coming up with he's he explicitly says that middle earth is intended as sort of an underlying english mythology okay like a, a Almost a, a linguistic mythology. He was a linguist, by the yeah. way. He's a professor of linguistics. A philologist is the, the fancy word. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he, well, he was obsessed with all these, like, Scandinavian and Norse myths and stuff like that. There's a lot of uh, elements of that and um, things like Beowulf, even, that yeah. he draws on. And, uh, like, uh, the, the ring cycle, which is based on some more Germanic myths. And um, there's a couple of stories he rips straight out of Finnish mythology, hmm. which is its own kind of whole separate thing. But all of these, they're kind of tied to their own language groups. But there was no real underlying deep mythology for English speakers. There's Arthurian okay. legend. Yeah. Which is sort of a nationalistic tied to the British soil almost that's how he describes it but it's not a a deeply rooted creation story and gods and yeah all that mythology and so he set out that his his old quest was to just write a mythology for that and so Mm -hmm. i think i think what set him apart originally is that he was that deeply rooted this is this is supposed to be something fundamental and elemental Mm -hmm. and 
that's something that hadn't been seen then and hasn't been seen since someone writing myths basically yeah uh and so since then i think for one for one thing the imitators are always never as good as the oh absolutely original deal and so you've got all these people that are capitalizing on the fact that he made fantasy cool because he did it so well yeah he created such an immersive impressive world that everyone's trying to do the same thing and write their own fantasy get a uh, their own slice of that cash and you can walk into any any used bookstore and find just a whole shelf of things with the same cover of a, of a, a knight knight like with standing. a knight with a sword and a, a noble face and the the princess in her fair silks and maybe there's a dragon and yeah uh, no one cares about that stuff because it's just cheaply written imitation mm-hmm. and so i think i think he sets apart because he didn't set out to write stories he didn't even set out really to define a world he set out to write a mythology yeah and that speaks to sort of your most elemental self I think George R. R. Martin is actually the first guy to come up with a really successful model for fantasy since then because he went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum said, I'm not interested in mythology. I'm interested in history. And so he's doing sort of a fantasy rewriting of English history. With yeah. Like the Wars of the Roses, but there's dragons now. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that captures a different spirit. And because he sticks so faithfully to that idea, it works on its own level and yeah it's, it's something completely different just the only thing that they have in common is that there's swords and magic and it's much more like uh game of thrones is much more character following yes like putting putting the book actually like structured as each chapter is from perspective of a person yeah makes it much more of like this is this person living in this world that history is happening right while things are happening around them rather than what probably lord of the rings is like yeah frodo did this while things were happening here and yeah it just kind of explicitly like gives you a omniscient view of this the characters are great but that's just because he was a he was a good writer yeah um and but you're right it's it's a lot more omniscient a lot more mythological it reads a lot of it like sort of ancient greek literature and like parts of the bible mm-hmm. where it's just like and then he went to this place and there was a star upon his brow yeah i was i go back to that phrase because it comes <laughs> back a few times and every time i'm like yeah that's the most tolkienian thing what does they a could star do. upon his brow mean uh he had a really shiny face uh was he sweaty probably all right i'll say that i think when they describe it it's in the um one of the times it comes up is in the hall of fire i think it's called in rivendell after they first arrived there uh-huh. in, um fellowship of the ring so that'd be the chapter many meetings um and it's aragorn and he he's sitting next to arwen and he's like he looks really noble and frodo's like wow he looks really noble he's got a star upon his brow isn't that fancy star upon his brow <laughs> i'm googling this shit yeah apparently it's a book okay no, I mean, um, but yeah, this is this kind of always been Tolkien's shtick. Uh, the Hobbit is definitely the most personal and the most story and character driven, and that's kind of for obvious reasons. It comes from a bedtime story, and you can yeah, you can tell it's it's really episodic. It, it he was invested in this world. It feels like the sort of thing that could have been made up as it was going, mm-hmm. if you were just incredibly talented. Yeah, but he he already had this world to draw from, so. You didn't have to. But like Lord of the Rings, it starts out sort of in the vein of The Hobbit, as long as they're in the Shire. Like the whole first book 
really, at least. Yeah. Um, and by first book, I mean book one, so I can tell they hit Rivendell. Yeah. Is really grounded, and the characters feel like real people, and then it progressively gets more and more high-minded, more like the, the Silmarillion, which can get downright cosmological. Where there's like nine different stories happening simultaneously. And it's it's not even stories, it's just, and then this broad historical thing happened over the course of the next century. Huh. It's it's not how does how does he how does he do like the Battle of uh, Helm's Deep? Pretty viscerally. I okay. Mean, it's I mean it's not Game of Thrones level yeah. like blood and guts, but he he explains what's going on and there's tactics and imagery and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's uh... what? Oh, <laughs> distracted now. <laughs> Uh, it's in my car, but I haven't edged yet. All right. Well, okay. Where was I? It's something about Helm's Deep. Um, so he, he, I, I think he does the battle well. He he treats it well, and you you get what's going on. It's pretty vivid. Like I, one of my earliest memories is reading that chapter on my own, mm-hmm. and just a couple of images really sticking out at me. There's um. Aragorn, he, he stands on the battlements looking out to the dawn, and the orcs jeer up at him. What are you doing up there? And they shoot arrows at him. Hmm. And he's got, like, just this noble expression on his face, and it kind of sends them packing. And that that image stuck with five-year-old me <laughs> until now. So he does it powerfully. I yeah. think, honestly, that is the sort of thing that's just going to work better on screen anyway. Yeah. Because uh, you need to see what's going on and have reference points and music really helps and mm-hmm. get the actual clanging of swords and stuff yeah uh and yeah he, in lord of the rings at least he never gets that historic i guess yeah. it's it's still grounded in scenes and narrative mm-hmm. um but it does get really high-minded and lots of these and thous and yeah stuff like that once they get to gondor especially it's it's interesting it's very it's very deliberately set apart from how the hobbits talk. Yeah. The hobbits are supposed to be just sort of the salt of the earth people. Yeah. And then you get to Minas Tirith and it's all these and thous and um, high-minded metaphors and stuff like that. I've always, uh, I've always like envisioned Rohan versus Gondor and I've always enjoyed Rohan more, and that's kind of what I actually base all my D and D stuff on is Rohan. Okay. I always vision the color of Rohan as red and Gondor as green, and Rohan with uh, gold and steel, and Gondor with silk and silver. Okay. Um, I would have picked Rohan with green, given that they have a lot of green imagery around them, but their armor's red. Yeah. <laughs> their banners are green. Are they green? Yep. Rohan, no, Gondor's green. Mm. I'm pretty sure Gondor's green. Rohan's green, and I know because we had Lord of the Rings Trivial Pursuit growing up. And one of the questions was, when the the Riders of the Mark first ride up to the, the trio of hunters, oh, what color cool. banners are they bearing? And I said, well, there's some green and some white and some other ones. And my dad was oh, like, shit, are you're you right. sure? And I went, we went back and watched the clip, and I was like, yeah, there's these and these. And the answer was just green on the card, but green is among them. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it was green, and the and Gondor is blue, which I don't know why I got green from Gondor. Yeah, there's I mean there's there's some blue imagery in the books as I'm recalling. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, Rohan, like the, the first experience you have with Rohan is Aemir and the, uh, right. and he's got red, red and gold armor. So it's like, Oh, Rohan red. Yeah. Gondor green. Yeah. Oh, I, I think fuck, if... is that, is that the reason? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Just had like a uh, really, like, I know a lot about the movies, right? Like a fuck ton about the movies. Yeah. And boy, did I just realize something that something I know is very based on just like alliteration? I think you did. <laughs> Fuck, my life is a lie. <laughs> no, but I think you were coming to a point there about why you liked Rohan more. Oh, it's it's more. I mean, it's. I think it's just the fact that it's more honorable. It's more mm-hmm. Ned Stark than uh, Viserys Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Like it, you've got these guys that are willing to run up on a mountain or on like a yeah like you got these guys that are willing to just run down into just a pit of of orcs mm-hmm. and then another like and then show up at the biggest battle of like the third age and just be like you know what fuck it a sword day a red day or the sun rises let's go motherfuckers <laughs> and like that was the speech yep yep <laughs> uh and then gondor like it having having I think it's the leaders, like the way that their leaders are. Mm. Um, uh, the Stuart, uh, Denethor is a fucking pansy. And that's kind of the thing throughout. And he's such an asshole and a dick and just the worst. Mm-hmm. And like, he's immediately like the moment he like, there's a, there's a moment of like doubt in his mind. He's just screaming for them all to flee. And like, I still feel like some of them do too. I feel like there's a lot of, I feel like you'll get more of a deserter from a Gondorian than a Ro- Ro- Rohan Ro- Rohanian. Uh, <laughs> I know it's Gondorian. Um, I should know this. Because uh, <laughs> they've one never of the, one of the Rohirrim, I guess. No, the Rohirrim is the horse horse lords, or like the actual horse riders. Uh, What's the what? what are they, like, well, I don't know. But okay, fine. One of the Rohirrim. They would not abandon. They don't. Yeah. They got exiled and they stuck together. And then yeah. they came back the first instant of like honor calling them. But I feel like a Gondorian soldier would abandon. I think I think <laughs> your experiences are definitely colored by the fact that the movies exaggerate things more to make oh, it more absolutely. of a palatable I watched it for version. ten years. I watched that movie for t- those movies for ten years yeah. and I didn't read the books. So that version's ingrained in your brain and yeah. uh, in in the books, like yeah, Gondor's valorant and honorable and valorant. Valorious. <laughs> Valorious. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Denethor, he does not come across as a good guy in the books, that's for sure. But he's given a lot more weight and power, I think, as a character. Mm. He's not just seen as this whimpering old man. Um, Great actor, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good performance. Uh, but then they give... Mark just liked the, uh, the Pikachu and Sonic thing. Nah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a... Uh, Let's see. There's there's a whole character in uh, the books, a minor character to be sure, uh, Prince Imrahil of Dol Amroth, who is sort of the captain of the Gondorian forces on the yeah. field, and he's very much like as honorable and as noble and as worthy a fighter as like Aomir. Yeah. There's there's explicit comparisons drawn between them. And okay. He he's worthy of Aragorn's admir- admiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the books portray him in more of a fair light, but there is a, there is a split. I think Rohan is more, I don't know, earthy, more human. And Gondor is a little more, more on the mythological side of things. That's, yeah. And that's kind of how I view, like, it's kind of, uh, 
Minas Tirith is kind of the Olympus. Yeah. And the Golden Hall kind of um what's the actual city called? Uh so um uh Edoras. Edor- yes, they say it one time in the movies. Yeah. So Edoras. many so many things that start with an E. So Edoras is more uh Troy. Mm-hmm. Those are the same mythological thing, right? Greek? Greek mythology? Yeah. So it's more of it's 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 the more human rather than the Olympic. It feels element. like a real place. Yeah. Minas Tirith feels like a place out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean Wait. it it's establishing shot it's <laughs> fucking it's a city built into the side of a mountain. Yeah. So fantasy wise, like yeah. but they literally built Edoras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean I think there's something to that, like Edoras and the the whole of Rohan is it is more of just normal people where Gondor is it's sort of almost a relic of a a, a greater age yeah. for humanity. And uh, there's some really explicit lines to that effect in the book. It's like it, when they when Pippin and Gandalf first ride in, they're like it, it had been once a flourishing city, but now entire sections were closed down and mm-hmm. uh, weeds grew where once was nice fountains or something. Yeah. His language is nicer than mine. Yeah, probably. Gandalf knows how to talk. I think it was just Tolkien writing. Oh, I kind of picture things. that being something that Gandalf is expositing to Pippin. <sighs> Maybe. Because Pippin definitely, I feel like that'd be a good chance for expositing. Nope, I brought these darn things for a reason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. You're going to fucking find it? Good yeah. luck. No, I, I mean, I know what the chapter is, and I know about where the chapter is. Because, so, um, yeah, growing up, I was very in these books. Like, some of my early like i said one of my earliest memories is reading a chapter Uh my dad my dad read these to me hobbit lord of the rings when i was like four or five um oh this is can i borrow this uh yeah this is fucking cool let's see matt's got a uh an an illustrated atlas yeah it's it's more than just a map like you yeah birthday presents from hannah in consecutive years were the atlas and the dictionary oh nice so and then she got me a really cool leather bound edition of Lord of the Rings this year. So, oh yeah, this does the, uh, this kind of gives you the um, elvish, like the elven tree. Yeah, it, that one. Cool. That one's good. It's sort of a cliff notes of the Silmarillion. Yeah. That, that explains a lot of the stuff, which is helpful because Silmarillion's really dense. Yeah. Oh, the two trees. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Here we go. It is just. Yeah, what a great podcast we're doing where we're just like literally reading books Flipping right through now. Books. <laughs> uh, Pippin gazed in growing wonder at the great stone city, vaster and more splendid than anything he had dreamed of, greater and stronger than Isengard and far more beautiful. Yet it was in truth falling year by year into decay, and already it lacked half the men that could have dwelt at ease there. And every street they passed some great house or court over whose doors and arched gates were carved many fair letters of strange and ancient shapes, names Pippin guessed of great men and kindreds that had once dwelt there, and yet now they were silent, and no footsteps rang on their wide pavements, nor voice was heard in their halls, nor any face looked out from any door or empty window. And he really fucking hammers home that detail. Yeah. Like no, he that's... goes on on for a while about that. Yeah. Like, even even in his most human parts where he's just talking about the hobbits and stuff, his language is high-minded and sort of the biblical thing. Well, they will they will hammer in a point because it's... It's meant to feel like oral tradition where uh-huh. you have to repeat things because you can't go back and reread. Yeah. And so you have to hammer things in over and over again to make sure that the audience gets it. And he's 
like I said at the beginning of this, he's he's very much interested in myth making, not storytelling. And this is supposed to feel like mythology that originates from an oral history of sorts. Yeah. And so that that's kind of why he writes like that. And I know it can be off putting for a lot of people. I know a lot of people that say the books are boring and badly written. And yeah. I mostly want to strangle those people because <laughs> come on, dude. Yeah. Have some culture. Have some fucking culture. Yeah. Fucking figure it out. That's a um, that's a letter Kenny thing. Letter Kenny. Oh yeah, have I you watched, started watching that? Like first three episodes, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Did you like it? Yeah, good. You need to finish them. Yep, I will. They're good. They're a good laundry folding show to watch. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of exactly what I've been doing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we're talking about, though. Uh, no, we're talking. We're talking Tolkien. Talking Tolkien is the Tolkien talking Tolkien. Yeah. Um. So man, we have barely gotten into anything with him. Yeah, and it's also like we've been going for like an hour and a half. I know. We might have to just do like. I mean, we've got once it's summer, so we've got summer blockbuster. But once we've got a gap, we might as well just do like a series of. We need to get into our series episodes. Mm-hmm. We've got a list of episodes that we're like. By series, we mean like a, a collection of like five episodes are about like kind of a splitting up a topic and yeah. going in depth. So yep. I think we should do that. We should kind of plan break down into different like categories and talk about those. Mm-hmm. Hell, we could even do them as backup episodes and. No, no, I want to release them all at once. Kind of put them together, yeah. yeah. So this has just been sort of a slap shot. Also, we talked forever about Game of Thrones. This is true. Yeah, it was kind of bad timing to try to talk about. (laughs) I, I literally was reading stuff this morning. I was like, man, we should just do a whole Tolkien podcast. Yeah, no, we can absolutely do like several episodes. Yeah, so easily. I think we should. Well, you should you should read the books. I should read the books, and then we can kind of get into that once you've got your perspective actually fleshed out a little bit hey listen did you know that the army of the dead doesn't even show up in the battle of pelinor fields really yeah they're only there to help aragorn get on the boats because he has the gray company with him which is a group of dunedain from the north that walk up fucking what yeah he had dunedain with him and they didn't put that in the movie yeah oh that's so disappointing yeah Oh, I love the Dune of Dead. It also dude. makes the Battle of the Pelnords feel better because there's actual still stakes. Yeah, you can't you you can actually kill the army that shows up. Yeah, like he shows up with a hundred dudes, and it's more just an inspiration thing. But it's a Dunedain, like a hundred. Yeah, no, hundred Dunedain is like ten thousand people. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> it really changes the tide there. Yeah. But like, it is also just imagine a hundred Aragorns. Yep. Like. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's not even like an exceptional Dunedain. He's a pretty average Dunedain, isn't he? Or he's a descendant of the Dunedain, not an actual. He's a Dunedain. No, he's the last. He's the last of the. Yeah. He's the last of the direct lineage yeah. of one of Isildur's three sons, who kind of split into three groups, and I don't know where they all went. Um, that's all stuff that was probably somewhere in Alcalabeth, which is the. Uh, no, it would have been the the thing of the ring because Alcalabeth is the second age. Here's what we'll do. First episode of our of our Lord of the Rings series will be my explan my the way I explain plots of the Silmarillion. Oh no. Because <laughs> we know how I explain plots. If you want to know how I explain plots, go back and uh, we, there's two instances that I've done it. One was the uh, was the far from or the um, homecoming yeah. review. And there was another one that I don't remember what it was, but I just like go to town and it's just I yeah, that's what we'll do. First episode will be me just ranting the plot of Silmarillion the and give you the full lecture. Plot. 
I'll give you the full history of of the of Middle Earth. It covers tens of thousands of years. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> but it's then, possible. But then also, it does break down and do like little individual stories. Yeah, it so does Baron and Luthien and yeah. Turin and we'll do it. Okay, I'll get it. I'll start reading some early and I'll start working on that. Uh, and I'll start taking notes. Be like, oh, this yeah. fucker did this. This guy was like, hey, uh, this guy was like, hey, I like these trees. I'm gonna make them trees. <laughs> no, I think they were kind of just there. Well, I mean, there were trees, but then he was just like, "I'm gonna make these little, like, I'm gonna make these light bulbs." <laughs> uh, Man, it's been a while since I've even read that part because I read, I read that far at least. Okay, so I know about that kind of stuff, but I need to go back and read it. But I think we should shoust at this point. Shoust yeah, me? we probably should shoust. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Us just scratch the surface of the oh, not even faintest vestiges. We kind of looked tokens. at them. Like, if you're looking at like if it's a piece of metal, mm-hmm. and you like. You can scratch the surface of the metal, like, as you're trying to, like, just drill into it. We just kind of look. We drew a dot on it. We're yeah. like, we're going to go here. Yep. <laughs> we put a little piece of Sharpie on it. Yeah. That's it. It's, there, there's so many avenues to tackle. So yep. I, if you've got particular Tolkien-related topics you want us to talk about when we eventually talk Tolkien for the next several times, whenever that happens, yeah, you should let us know because... Honestly, we could just turn this podcast into a Tolkien podcast for a it's while. It's a pop culture podcast. So, like, the books are considered pop culture. So, if yeah. you want to talk about the books, we can fucking talk about the books. Yeah. And just and there's so many interesting things in his mythology and the way he defines the world and sort of his, mm-hmm. his almost religious conception of how he analogizes it to Christian mythology, but not. Yeah. Um, just so many interesting ideas. And he's just an incredibly smart and interesting dude in the way he thought about and conceived of all this. So we can get into anything. We can uh, talk about the movies and how they're great adaptations. We can talk about the Hobbit movies and how they're the worst thing that has ever happened in this earth. What are you talking about? The CW is the worst thing that's ever happened in this earth. Hellboy begs to differ. Uh, (laughs) There we go. We've both got our number twos, but we know number one is definitely that. That's the real number two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so if you want to let us know what we should talk about when we eventually do those, uh, hit us up on Facebook, where we're just Justice Losers. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Justice Losers Pod, and Instagram, also at Justice Losers Pod. We just posted two pictures. So, yeah. And they are us, horrifying to look at. Look at us go. Uh, let's see, what else? What else? Uh, people can email us their theories for the last three episodes of Game of Thrones, which... Good guys are going to be on the brink of losing, and Danny's going to have to let loose with her dragons and burn down the entirety of King's Landing. Dude, I hope Danny has to sacrifice all of the surviving members of the main cast. She will. At least most of them. She wants to. She wants the Iron Throne so much. She doesn't give a shit if she burns the fuck out of Brienne. Yep. She doesn't even care about Brienne. No, she doesn't know Brienne. She kind of pissed off at Brienne actually a little bit. Yeah. Ah, spoilers. By <laughs> <laughs> just spoiled who survives and. Oh, couple well. people surviving. We can we can put a timestamp in. Nah. Uh, let's see. I think that's all the things where you're supposed to hit us up. Uh, this podcast is available on SoundCloud and SoundCloud and iTunes and Podbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to hear more of our great past content, it doesn't exist. So, if you want to hear some of our terrible past content, that's going to be on one of those three places. Uh, subscribe to us so that you can if you want to hear some of the really terrible content that's on YouTube yeah <laughs> that's when we were bad if you want to hear yeah. the first two episodes they're on YouTube I think still I think first few are only like I think one and two are the are only on YouTube before we got SoundCloud okay and then we got SoundCloud and then then we got good yep no we didn't no we didn't. we're still not there 
It's been two years. Yeah. Oh yeah, last last week was our anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Let's get married. Okay. <laughs> uh, next week we're talking about movies that were better than they had any right to to be in honor of John Wick because that was a movie that <clears throat> if you had to pitch that to me in like 2012 said Keanu Reeves stars as a, an action hero and that's it I would have said that sounds incredibly stupid but it was great so yep. we're gonna we're gonna talk about movies of that variety yep uh, we've so- got uh <laughs> We're looking like our list of episodes goes to uh, episode 93 on the 28th of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, that week, New Mutants, Dora the Explorer, and Hobbs and Shaw all come out. <laughs> be a hefty week. You think New Mutants will really come out? I thought it got pushed. I thought it was in August. Ah, it might have been. I haven't updated our uh, episode chart in a while. Yeah. We do like big chunks where we plan out like the next four months of episodes and then we just let them sit. Yep. <laughs> Uh yeah no but if you've got if you've got an idea of a movie that was better than it had any right to be which I suppose you can kind of use any definition for that you want I was sort of thinking when I pitched the idea that movies that premise sounds terrible on paper but work out really well on screen yep so we'll be talking about those next week if you've got an idea hit us up on one of those mediums I listed before if not uh what's your problem get on that yeah idiots uh so. Probably all the things I'm supposed to say. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.